random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists Presents Mischievous Musings, a low-key podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Welcome to a double. Yes, once again, it is a double because low-key season uh, two, episode two dropped during New York Comic Con weekend and I ain't going to be doing that during that time. No, no, no sorry. I was actually recording content during the con and content yeah. convention con 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 convent even yes convoluted who knows that's a nun thing but no we're talking about loki episode two and before we even get into that uh lots happened in the last uh week or so since uh like i said you know they just dropped spider-man 2 on the playstation 5 and oh. i'm currently taking a little time away to talk about a show i really don't like from playing a game i really do like so yeah, so at least one posting uh, oh. shout out to Electrish Cosplay for uh, saying happy Spider-Man whatever two play game station PS2 day something to all who celebrate and to you as well. Yeah, but it was it's pretty good. Uh, the story, you know, it's very much uh, in tandem. You're playing as Miles Morales and Peter Parker, and it's you know going back and forth, back and forth. Shout out to friend of the show Yuri Lowenthal for once Yuri. again knocking it out of the park with another great performance of the affable, lovable webhead Spider Hyphen Man. So it's nice to see that uh, we got stuff going on with that, and also you know tickets just went on sale for the Marvels coming up in November 10th. I got my ticket. Do you got yours, Eddie? I will. Very cool. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff just coming down the pike. Like right now. Uh, before we even talk about Loki episodes two and three in this double whammy episode, bam, bam, Bigelow, yes, no, legendary, the peanut, legendary the peanuts, dead wrestler, the pebbles, uh, you know, would have grown bam, up to marry character bam, Flintstones or Bam Bam Bigelow, acclaimed wrestler of the nineteen eighties, you know nineteen nineties. The kid was first, bam, the cartoon was bam. first. But anyway, so this uh, past week, they, you know, people have been talking about, you know, what's the future of the Marvel universe? A little bit. Of, let's just do a little bit of housekeeping. You know, we usually do uh, with this. Deadpool 3 is now looking like it's probably going to be delayed from the uh, May release date, which I'm fine with that. Let's just, you know, one, pay those actors. Let them get what they deserve with this because, hey, AI really does suck. Oh? It does. It's terrible. It's some of the shittiest stuff I've ever seen. Sometimes this show makes me feel like, is there AI writing? Because I don't know. You're talking AI as a generality? Artificial intelligence. They do writing. They do art. They do... They're trying to do acting. Like recently, uh, Disney just released footage of this. Uh, what do you call it? This one show, and there's like AI background characters. Oh, and it is the worst looking thing I've ever seen. Like it looks like PlayStation Two graphics, and I'm just like, wow, somebody actually approved that. That render isn't even good. It's godly. Ungodly. It, it's it's terrible. Like it is some of the worst stuff I've ever seen. So I was gonna say ungodly and segue to Loki, but you know, no, no. Yeah. no. But just a lot of stuff has been happening. A lot of announcements at New York Comic Con. And, you know, it, and by the way, I got to meet Chris Evans and Tom Hiddleston. I got you to see did. Tom Hiddleston for a second time. So it was cool. Outside of a photo op. Yeah. The good part of that was you were in groups he was kind, for each of the photo ops, so it didn't really 
he was kind of a kill dick. your budget. He was kind of a dick in the photo. I mean, not the photo. The uh, first time I saw him. Uh, so, but we're doing uh, New York Comic Con, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of different people I got to see. I got to see Ron Perlman. That was cool. So I got to see two Hellboys in my life now. I wasn't there. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Any major things come out of that other uh, show that you uh, probably you know. well, people got COVID. Uh, yes. Okay. A lot. <laughs> Quite a lot of people, from what I've seen. But luckily, your boy has remained unscathed. Knock on wood. But you did a lot of talking. It sounds that way now, or just that it's on the early sort of kind of late side of morning of Saturday. Well, it is. It's like almost eleven. Yeah, almost. We're almost to eleven. It goes to eleven on the right coast. But it's not the best coast. But anyway, I know. So let's talk about Loki episode two. Breaking from, Brad, which, by the way, is just a on-the-nose reference to the show yeah. Breaking Bad. So, nice to see that. Very very cutesy of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because, like, I'm, I'm again, through, for this, you know, I look through uh, different websites for the Easter eggs and stuff. Screen Rant is going on saying, Loki Season 2, Episode 2's title is Breaking Brad, a riff on the critically acclaimed AMC series Breaking Bad. Never heard of it. Ha, ha, ha. Which works on multiple levels. Not only does the TVA's Hunter X5 played by Rafael Casal, go rogue and abandon his former life. He defies orders and breaks protocol by having a life on the sacred timeline, taking the name Brad Wolf. An actor. And likewise, Loki ends up interrogating X-5 for Sylvie's whereabouts later on in the episode, threatening to literally break Brad within the shrinking confines of an energy QB. With the TVA on the verge of a temporal meltdown. Yes, Loki and Mobius will stop at nothing to find Sylvie. And they stop from they stop at nothing and go into 1977. That's where it starts. Which, the opening. by the way, same year as Star Wars. Um, and a lot of things. Yep. But mostly Star Wars. 77 or 78 was a great New York City, not so great blackout, summer. But Star Wars. There's another thing. But yes, yeah, Star Wars before that. Let's be real. That's that's a religion for so many of us. Not really so much for me, but for other people yeah. in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm referring to my girlfriend. But it's kind of cool because like. And my they, wife, no, my wife knows where she was the day, the theater, and what she was wearing. So there. I will say with this that with the uh, Star Wars, with the uh, 1970s thing, I don't like this show. But I love how they do the visual uh, aesthetic of this show. Like there's very much a, and I will continue to say this because the 1970s feel to it, it looks like something from the 70s. It's got that, you know, the color palette. It's got the, uh, the the lighting, especially. The lighting looks like, you know, they're in the 1970s. Like, it's got that faded look to it, you know, mm. weathered a little. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm seeing how they, and we see this later when we get to episode three as well, because it's even further back in time. Oh, but, yeah. but Loki and Mobius are all tucked out for the, to set the, so they don't, uh, sorry, so they blend in to the time around them because they're going to see Brad Wolf in Zaniac. Which is just like, you know, it's, it looks like a 1970s poster. You know, they do it that style. I love seeing that. And I think it kind of would have been cool to see uh, maybe, like, you know, Marvel could have commissioned, you know, Drew Struzan to uh, do a poster. They Drew didn't. Who? Drew Struzan. He's a legendary painter for Oof. movie posters. You know him. I, I, I probably know the work. But maybe never saw the autograph on a piece of, of piece of work. But it's funny because he's, like, you know, one of those painters that does his thing. And he is iconic for what he does. And I feel like if you're going for this kind of movie... Drew Struzan has, you know, he's dabbled in that kind of stuff. Like, mm. around this time, he did the poster for the Muppet movie, for crying out loud, and it looked, like, you can tell it's a Drew Struzan piece. 
He's got variety. He's got range. And we're in London of 77, if I didn't mention that already. And I'm kind of shocked because, you know, they're going for the uh, 1970s feel. I feel like going for Hollywood would have been a little bit better because, you know, you can utilize the uh, the Grauman Chinese Theater. You can do this. You can do that. But it works for what it is. You know, it definitely works for what this episode is aiming for. Well, we've got a lot of psychoanalysis going on here with who's interrogating who and analyzing who and breaking somebody down and trying to uh, you know, break somebody in a mental kind of way. And I got to say, I love the character of Brad Wolf. I feel like this this is one of those characters where he, I don't know who the actor is, but I really enjoyed his performance in this episode. And I feel like I wouldn't mind seeing more of this actor in other work. You know, like this is one of those like, oh, cool. I didn't know I enjoyed this actor. He definitely has a very, uh, his performance in this episode was one of my personal favorites. It's, uh, he has the right comedic timing, and especially with this cast. Like, this cast has great chemistry. And, Mm -hmm. again, while I don't like the show, I do like the dynamics with these characters. Owen Wilson alongside Tom Hiddleston, they gel perfectly together. And I'm kind of like, I am going to revisit Loki season one very soon because I really do want to, you know, give it a second chance, give it, you know, a better feel to it. But I do like the uh, dynamic that they share. And I feel this might actually be one of those... uh, When you look at, you know, uh, Captain America and Bucky, that relationship in these movies, when you look at the uh, relationship with the entire Guardians cast, how they all gel off of each other, not many people are talking about the Owen Wilson-Tom Hiddleston dynamic. And I feel like that should be something that, you know more people could notice, you know? That's coming out in this second, but more so, I thought, in, I the, the, first, in like, the third episode, too, of this season. But in the first season, like, they were in, they were working in simpatico with each other, yep. and I feel like yep. it works very, very well. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and even the part where Loki locks Mo- Mo- Mobius out of the cell that X5 is in, uh, and then when all is said and done, Mobius is able to get into the cell, and did somebody find a key? I mean, it just happened? So that was a little odd thing. Or just take for granted that, all right, he can come in now. Whatever. I don't know, but I just I feel like they uh, they know what they're doing with these uh, dynamics. And I feel like at the end of the day, the Marvel Universe is... We're at a crossroads right now, I feel like, when it comes to everything going on. Like, we don't know where we're going with this, no, to when, be honest. And again, with the, with the conversing or interrogating X5 or Brad... And him and Brad saying to Loki, "You're the problem, you're the villain," and I, I kind of had to think for a second and say, "Well, yeah, he did start that way, so I'm not sure if he is trying to redeem himself by doing good things, or it ultimately well, you, you he's out to, for you have himself." To acknowledge the fact that this is a character that's you know he's beloved by the Marvel you know fandom, but he is a villain, and it's the way they're going about this is smart, and I feel like he is definitely one of those characters where you have something special and it's like you're questioning the audience why do you like this character because he is a villain why do you like him so much and it is raising a lot of questions for the Marvel fandom and I like that I Uh like seeing again because it's going to be the fandom going on like oh I just like the character because he's hot or I just like the character because he's funny it's like okay but what about on a surface level why do you connect with this character so much and I feel like it is that misunderstood element. That's why I do like the character of Loki. I've always liked the character of Loki, but it just depends on what he's alongside in. You well, know what I mean? Then I'm glad I brought in the uh, new Hallmark ornament of Loki because that just came out a week ago. And Eddie, here we're we not are. getting promoted by them. Oh, well, that's true. You always go on about that. <gasps> you do, too, and that's all there is to it. You do. 
And so, Brad and Mobius and in, Janet. in conversation, damn it. Oh, man, I have so many stories about that Tim Curry one. Is telling Mobius, you're nothing, you're a nowhere man. I'm like, oh, good Beatles song. Good, yeah, I agree. And the slap. And Mobius was worried about Loki losing it. Meanwhile, Mobius more so loses it with Brad. And just like, oh, she's had a moment and, you know. So let's go. Let's go have some pie. And in the autumn, they literally go. It's all key lime pie. Okay, okay. I got to talk about the key lime pie because I love key lime yeah, pie, I do and too. I'm looking at that key lime pie, and I'm openly admitting of this. You're I drooling. was salivating like that <laughs> thing, like that. The hue, inside, you... it looked thick. It looked like when you you have Solid. to like work a little bit to gut, you know, cut, cut your it. fork through there, right? Yeah, but you s- saw that too. And but I'm still just like, like, that's a well-made key lime pie. It looked gorgeous, and man. Great like dollop that, of whipped cream on top. Yep. I would eat that. I would eat that in a heartbeat. Well, every time you heard them eat that, you always heard a crunch of the almost you know teeth on the fork. Yeah. It, it, both of them each time. The sound, like, the sound mixing was great on that. I got to admit that that's it was smart decision on the. Uh, creative team I'm, like, to do I'm that. just like wait really you can't be just quiet when you eat this everybody's got to make a noise because we need to know we need to know the importance uh, of that key I, lime pie I guess so there it is again. they're going to cr- there's the sound yeah okay good but it was just it was again like also the color mixing for this episode like just how vibrant that was like obviously you know why they went with key lime pie because of the color the of green, green tied over with Loki like it's it makes perfect sense it's a green theme that's all there is to it I don't know but I, I don't know what the significance was of Mobius saying, I think, first to perhaps Brad and then to Loki, the line of, you can say that again. And I'm thinking, well, somebody is going to. Well, the idea, it's it. it's history repeating itself. It's a time yeah. travel show. That's why you can say that again. It's like the ba-da-da-da-da-da. You know, that's what it is. Uh-huh. And I think that it's a cutesy line, but it also does hold a lot of uh, a lot of merit to itself. Sure. You know, why it's being said. Yeah. Uh, but then when I mentioned earlier about... Loki and Brad together, and this time now there's a machine involved here, and and lockout of Mobius, and the box, the squeeze box. I thought that could have gone and taken a, a uh, possibly horrific, a la Incredible Hulk run of um, Al Ewing in in the weird, uh, you know, bleh, all over the place, big getting squeezed in that sucker. By the way, you know, I, I got to mention, you know, you just mentioned like something obscure with, you know, the Marvel Universe with that. Were you aware that a, a obscure Marvel character was brought up in this show, to, uh, that episode? Three? Yeah. No, two. We're talking about two. two. No, no. You mentioned, I think, before we started recording and I didn't catch that. No. Well, that was also in episode two as well. Oh. But, you know, Kingo from the Eternals is referenced, you know, then it's not really an obscure character if it's a part of the main universe now. But uh. Phone Ranger. No, I didn't. Nope. Phone nope, Ranger has a poster in the background for a quote-unquote movie, and apparently, Phone Ranger, the character, A. G. Bell, mm. Alexander Graham. Yeah. No, it's Alphonse Granado Bell. Oh, I don't know. It's a variant. No, I'm, I'm making a joke. <laughs> but anyway, the characters only appeared three times in the Marvel Universe: two, or 1985, 2006, and 2019. So that two, 2019 one probably was like somebody at Marvel Studios going. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, you should just, you know, make a reference to him. You know, you never know. He might he might have a movie. You know, the kids are going to be like, oh, my God, it's A.G. Bell. Ah! You guys. But no, it's just a stupid poster in the background. Ha-ha. It's a phone thing. I had to start somewhere. Yeah, it's a game of telephone. I think this is what happens when you have different comic books with all the variants, and now it's a variant situation with Loki. Weird, but probably non-existent connection. There. Next stop, what is it, 1982? 
And we end up back in. We end up back into that McDonald's, which now Sylvie is working at, and I gotta say again, the color palette choices, the lighting, every single little thing, it looks like a 1980s McDonald's. Like that is Mm -hmm. perfect. They the set design, the costume design, everything is perfect. Like I wonder, like how much in the McDonald's archives they have of like you know, hey, our outfits, our uniforms are you know. From X to Y, that was the time frame we had for these outfits, you know? It was like, yeah, the yellow and the red combos, which just reminded me of high school colors. Crimson and gold. There we are. Boomer sooner. Oof. Wait, that's, you know. And yes, the big thing when they came out of the uh, McDonald's, including Brad, was yes, there will be a Zaniac sequel. I would hope so. <laughs> uh, but him saying, we're all going to die, meaning Brad saying that. And then Sylvie does her... Um, enchanting or by touching Brad seeing something happening or to to be happening well just dawned on me you know you mentioned the uh them going back in time and going over to that McDonald's in the 19 uh 1980s mm-hmm. and again pie plays a uh role in here you know the little dollop of everything the McDonald's pie oh, the apple Mo- pie Mobius wanted the apple pie and that was in a like they I think they made it in that green colored cardboard sleeve which was the thing. Maybe before the Hot Pocket came along. I don't know. I don't know, but I just think it's really funny that, of course, yet again, the pies play a major part. You know, <laughs> like you hear the whole thing of, like, I'm going to get you the shake. I wonder what flavor of shake. Was it? I hate saying it, but because, you know, it makes perfect sense. Would it have been the illustrious Ken Shamrock shake? Ooh. You know? I don't know. Would not have been a bad idea. Like, I feel like... The green theme continues. The audience is noticing, like, okay, so let's not really have it that on the nose, but, you know, maybe. It's Why not? Good. It's good. We just didn't know what time of year it was. We we get the year, we get the location, so we can only assume that when they're, you know, time jumping or whatever, that they're going to be in the right time frame, date, I ho- et cetera. I would hope so. Well, they got the year right. doesn't mean they had the right time of the year. I mean, they were also going on saying, like, well, technically, in certain restaurant markets... You were able to get the chicken McNuggets. <laughs> right. And people really are. Like, I love the, uh, and I, I can use this term, the McDonald's fandom, that people remember when certain things were released, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, they do. Yeah. Oh, no question. Shout out to Horror Movie Barbecue, because he's, like, heavily- uh, All on that? Chad? Yeah, Chad Ecto Young. Mm-hmm. The lovable, laughable Chad Ecto Young. But, you know, it's funny, because you look at a lot of that stuff from that time frame, like, there's the, you know, the McDonald's merchandise- all of that good stuff, and again, they know their stuff. It's kind of frightening how well they know their stuff for this stuff. I wonder when the toy came along with the Happy Meal. 1977 with the... Yeah, well, no, sorry, 1978 with the uh, Star Trek, the movie, Happy Meal. That was the birth of the Happy Meal, and that was the first toys. What year? 1978. All right, I thought 79 was the first, but that's okay. It is, well, 78, sorry, I meant... Slip of the tongue. Oh, there we go. Okay. Well, now we're getting close Sorry, to this. Sorry, I wasn't kissing you, Eddie. <laughs> That's a good thing. Oh, come on. We're getting close to the end of episode two, and we see back at the TVA, the troops are um, cutting um, the branches. And and the seriousness... Technically that, pruning, Eddie. They Exactly. The pruning of the branches, and B-15 just dramatically saying, and pausing, and everybody looking at the screen, that the, those are people. Those are lies. People! Yes, thank you, Gossamer. You're welcome. 
This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And... Two, you haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. Big hairy orange monster with sneakers. He is. In Bugs Bunny. Um, He's around Bugs Bunny, not in him. That's disgusting. So, well, yeah. Well. Bugs I mean, Bunny <clears throat> cartoon. Well, he did say well a lot. And the distraction sort of for the next thing to keep keep the show moving is that uh, Casey gets a hit on Renslayer's temp head. And Sylvie's saying the TVA is the problem. It's broken. It's rotten. Yep. And then we finally have uh, Sylvie back in her McDonald's land. I guess it's the end of the night. The shift, the co-worker comes out. You have a ride, you're good, okay. And she's playing with the he who remains talisman. She's at that got point. A, the temp pad, yeah. So it's kind of cool. And I guess in a timely way, like we'll find out, the closing of the credit song is Janis Joplin, I believe, Cosmic Blues. You know, set more of the tone of some sort. I'm going to say this, and it ties in how I feel about Phase 5 in general so far, and a little bit of Phase 4. Music has not been that big of a kick for me, and it kind of is a bummer because, like, the other phases of Marvel, like, you'll hear a certain song, you'll associate it. They really haven't picked that many memorable songs, and that even includes, for me, Guardians Volume 3. Hmm. Like, I'm not going back like, hey, I'm going to listen to this song because of the connection it has. And I'm kind of bummed out about that. Because, like, you look at phase two, you look at phase one, you look at phase three, all those different phases, they have songs in there that you're like, okay, I can give this a listen. I can, you know, it's a bop. I, why not, you know? Whereas it's been a lot of, eh, whatever. Well, in a way, it's almost like some artists, when they come out with their first album, it kicks ass all over well, the just, place. It just, the sophomore one could be a little bit... I just Less, haven't. Um, I just impactful. Haven't, but I just haven't had the, those connections, and it's kind of a bummer because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I again, even the Guardians three soundtrack, I didn't really revisit it as much, and that's, you know, kind of a bummer. Like I like, you know, if you go back to Volume two, there's so much great stuff. Volume one, so much great stuff, and then you're looking, you know, like different songs featured in uh, what do you call it? Uh, let's see, like you look at. Uh, Dear Mr. Uh, what, what's it called? Fantasy. Dear Mr. Fantasy from, you know... Endgame. End, you know, Endgame, yeah. It's like there's a lot of great stuff that's memorable and you keep listening to it, keep listening to it. Now it's just like, yeah, that Janis Joplin song, whatever. On to the next thing that we have to consume, you know? Right, and what I'm seeing with these episodes of Loki is the different um, music in the, in the spots where you're seeing the main credits and all the scenes that were either from the episode we just watched or other things that had gone before. Although, and, the, and the assembling and rearranging of the letters and the names and all the credits, yeah. Boy, you're really good with the segues in, huh? Eh. Well, what I'm getting at Not is... Not without a helmet on. 
I think it's kind of funny because you look at you know episode three. Let's let's start talking about episode three now. Loki clearly, and Mobius. It, clearly, yes. Eddie wants to move along and make this a short episode. Well, hey, I well, think it's funny because you look at that opening. The um, old timey kind of music makes perfect sense. I was listening and I'm just like, what is that? And I can't place the type of genre of music that it is. I wanted to. It's ragtime. It's ragtime. I, like, I want to say roaring twenty, pre roaring twenties, even and. But I think there's it's, a name for that style. It's 18, of music. 90, This episode takes place in 1893, yeah. so it's it is the ragtime kind of music. It's like you know very uh, Scott Joplin-y kind of sound of stuff. Like he's more 1920s, but it's still that you know the big old piano kind of thing. You know what you're playing. You know as you drink a sarsaparilla in a bar. You know that's yeah. what it is. It's like that old timey kind of stuff, and very jangly even. Not so much like jangly like you know music of the 1990s, like you know Gin Blossoms or. Uh, golden uh, smog, but you get my point. Oh, oh I, I suppose. Well, of course, it's it, it, that's the name of the episode, 1893, where Loki and Mobius go on the hunt to find everyone's favorite cartoon clock as they try to save the TVA. And yes, not too far into the music that's playing in the uh, or just after the opening, it's the Avengers theme in that style of that's what I was music. talking about this whole time. I know. I wanted to get out there and say it too. I loved it. Dateline Chicago. So it said on the weather vane. In Renslayer in 1868, on the sacred timeline, who meets Miss Minutes. Who in this episode, by the way, she's in black and white, so she has to... Ref- like, it's... Yeah, she changes... Movies to, have uh, not started until, I think, like the 1900s, early 1900s. Yeah. But the fact that she has, like, that, you know, Max Flesher kind of, like, you know, black and white style, like that whole, you know, like little Pac-Man eyeballs, I love that even more. Like, they really hammer it home, like... She had like she's adapting to her time frame. She's yep. not in color yet, because color is not like something. It's like I think the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, something like that. And to see that is pretty cool. Like I love seeing that visual of what they're doing with her. You know, oh no question to suit the time frame, perhaps. Although we yes. see a little bit later that she's in the newspaper, Miss Minutes. Once we get the setup of seeing that Renslayer and Minutes are in this time period. And uh, and also going to uh, nineteen uh, sorry eighteen sixty eight. Boy, that's great. Finding nothing to eighteen ninety three. It's a twenty five year gap. Well, actually, Mobius and Loki have now come into that, and again dressed in the appropriate attire so that they won't really stand out, so to speak. And after we find out the plan uh, with Obi and Mobius and Loki as to what can happen, well, that was a that was a fun point I think to see when Mobius met. Uh, the other character, oh shoot, well, who was it for the first time? We're all going to die. Oh, pleased to meet you. We're all going to die. From episode two. Josh? Um, <clears throat> could be. The newspaper headline, Ghost Clock Continues to Haunt Midway. But actually, but, I, and again, I'm time jumping too, but back to there, back to 1868 where is it Renslayer puts the package on the windowsill which is a foreshadowing of what's to happen. We have a young he that remains, he who remains. He who. Yeah, and it's the whole, you know, him doing his whole announcement thing, showing off all the technology, you know, during this. uh, It's the World's Fair, right? When we get to Chicago, World's Fair, when we get back to 1893, yep. And the sideline of Mobius explaining to Loki they have different methods of searching and hunting, and Mobius is into the breadcrumb Got to look for clues. And here we see 
the three wood-carved figures off on the side, one being Odin, who Loki says is an embarrassment, and the drop of a minor, I think, character of Balder, Balder the Brave. And Loki's saying no one's even heard of him. Yet. Yes, right. And I went back to the miniseries that Marvel Comics put out, and I got autographed by Walt Simonson. I think it's funny because also you realize the the uh, World's Fair scene incorporates a uh, Iron Man 3 reference, Chinese theater. Does it? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, we do a, seg- uh, a scene change to that, yes, in the front. Um, and then finding the sandwich board, here's a clue of Victor Timely's Temporal Marvels. Now, they... And it actually has a reference to uh, Ant-Man's family history, according to uh, Screen Rant. Ant-Man's family history? Mm-hmm. Hot dog. Okay. Because you have uh, Ferdinand Lang. <clears throat> Ferdinand. That's a... Okay. Bull, yes. Bull. Fine. There's a piece of uh, footage that's as if you're the bartender and you're looking out in the center of the screen. There's a guy drinking a beer, and behind him, Mobius and Loki show up, and they're looking around and so on. And a little bit later, another shot having... Timely, bringing the money he's been given, $1,000, I believe, and putting it under a hat. I don't know if it's the same guy. Beer, I don't know if there's a significance with that character just sitting at the bar, but I think most likely not. I mean, uh, and it's all about the temporal loom, bidding on it after the demonstration, although it does short circuit, but it's got potential for not only lighting a bulb as... Thomas Edison has done, however, long before that, but but powering the entire planet. And just the whole, I don't know what it brings to the character of maybe disbelieving that this can't be the, the ultimate bad guy when he seems to be unsure of what he's saying, when he's stuttering every third word thereabouts. And I can even kind of predict what he's trying to say. And then he says it. And I'm like, okay, he wasn't going to say that, and so on. And a distraction to uh, the amazing Loki. He'll be here all week. I would hope so. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the fact that you know, I, th- I thought he openly killed the guy. To be honest, because like it wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past Loki at that moment to just have the guy die in a fog of smoke. You know, boom. Yeah. But maybe I don't know. But that's a very short episode then. So. I mean, yeah, you know, well, no, not really. Then there's the trial. <laughs> trial. <laughs> Eventually. And then uh, what happens if he gets off? He's got, you know, Johnny Cochran as his uh, attorney. I suppose. Does Judge Ito still preside? I would hope so. Okay. And who can forget Loki's close personal friend, what's his name, Kato Kalin. Kato. Who do you think he would be his Kato Kalin in the Marvel Universe? It's got to be a guy that's, you know, a Marvel character that's, you know, pretty much useless and is just, you know, a hanger-on. Rick Jones. I think Rick Jones would Rick make a great... Rick Jones! Rick Jones would make a great Kato Kalin. We don't have Rick Jones in the Marvel Cinematic Universe yet, but I feel like played by the lovable, laughable Kato Kalin. We have him named in the... Was it the Ed Norton Hulk movie? Eddie, you know that movie doesn't count anymore. That movie does not oh. count whatsoever. It's it's literally... Wasn't it the second in the MCU, Phase 1? Yeah, it was. And then everyone's just like, yeah, no one cares about this shitty movie. <laughs> so let's let's put it to I the side. I thought that was more reserved for the Ang Lee Incredible Hulk movie. Oh, no. Ang Lee's one was actually pretty good from what I've heard, like recent memory. Oh, People oh. People like revisiting it okay. and enjoying it. Was it was all dumping on the CGI stuff. Okay. Well, I mean, you know. Still with the green theme, but, you know. It's getting rediscovered by people now. People are really oh. enjoying it, which is cool. He just had a birthday recently, Ang Lee, just FYI. I just happen to remember that. Happy birthday to Thank him you. and many more. There we go. 
So had we to, have had to do the jazz hands for that one. Yeah. Theater of the mind, ladies and gentlemen. I wasn't looking. Okay, so we have Timely and Renslayer in discussion. We have Morbius and Loki together, um, and the chase of Timely after Giorgio his demonstration. Marauder. Yes. Dun 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 dun. And then Sylvie shows up with a spear. It looked like it was green, actually, as well. I like again. The show is very on the nose with the color stuff, and I feel like sometimes it can be either a positive for itself or a major detriment. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we get it, green. Put more emphasis on the gold. But we have a very large, ghosty-looking Miss Minutes who has her moment becoming an enlarged ghost. Lordy, clock she's frightening. To to scare away the villagers, to scare away the people of the assembled the carnival i'll call it the dark carnival yes whoop whoop ladies and gentlemen the insane clown posse we have miss minutes renslayer and timely together and his 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 adventure because they have to go uh, across the lake to get to his lab we have the i'm sorry this is not this is before that he has his temporal temporary residence and the uh, this refrigerated chair refrigerator chair i think it's kind of like, okay, cool invention, whatever. I mean. And then we have the whole uh, enlightening of telling Timely, mostly Ravona, saying what he's going to do. Oh, minutes as well. Well, real quick, I just want to point out, like, they're really also on the nose with the whole calling of Victor Timely's temporal marvels. Temporal. Yeah, but marvels. Yes. Oh, no question. Like, come on. We get it. It's there. Do, do, you know, do they? does DC always go detective comics in every single thing they do? <laughs> Where, are they, where does that guy? Where is that guy based out of? He's based out of D.C. Okay. Jesus, <laughs> come on. Cheese and crackers. Okay, fine. Timely's um, TVA Bible, and how he looks and sees how about visionary author Ouroboros. I love that. You know, the one guy he just fanboys out. So, could you sign my copy about your picture? Wasn't that Casey? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think that's you know. It's like Reddit. I practically memorized this. I love. I love. And again, also you see. That's OB's, who we met. I'm sorry. I said nice to meet you. We're all gonna die. Thank you. Ob's reaction to. <laughs> I practically memorized. It's like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's really sad. Actually, I wrote the book, and I don't give a shit. I don't. You know, I'm sorry. You know. Oh, he's giving the book to Mobius to say, here, figure out what you know what's not happening here. That's from the first episode. I think or part of the second. Um, well, in the conversation of uh, Ravona and Timely going across the lake, the, the the trigger word comes up that causes Victor to drop or dump Ravona. That is partnership. And he previously said, I don't do partners. But yet, Miss, and Miss Minutes is on the side of Timely. They get to the lab, and in conversation with Minutes, uh, she she becomes a, a stronger, so to speak, personality. I think she's the villain of the show. Like the it's it's kind of like a you know pun, no pun intended low key kind of villain in the show that you know we're realizing, oh, oh she's evil. Yeah, she's you, really evil. Yeah, like you know out for her the uh, the whole last season you know where we have that one see that scene where you know she spooks the hell out of us. Yep. You know that's like that was definitely a uh, foreshadowing. A sign of things to come. Yeah. And then with whatever device Timely pulls out is able to uh, zap minutes. And then Renslayer does catch up to and get into the lab, holding what I think is a prototype pruner device. 
And Morbius and Loki show up here, and so does Sylvie. Again, we're going to look at Sylvie trying to kill Timely, but she weakens. And between Sylvie and Ravona, because now Timely is going through the portal, followed by Mobius and Loki, Sylvia sends Ravona to what is, I guess, what, the end of time, where Minutes is there as well. We see the dead he who remains in the chair still. And we end it on a little hanger of a cliff where Minutes says she knows a Ravona secret that would make her pretty angry. I mean, maybe. These last two episodes, to be completely honest, have been such a slog, and I'm kind of bummed out because I want to like this show. I really, really, really want to like this show. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, I don't know... Uh, I'm more hyped hype for the Marvels than I am this show. <laughs> because we get to see more of Ms. Marvel. We get to see more of, I believe... Kamala? Uh, Kamala. That, that's Ms. Marvel, Eddie. I'm I, thinking, we get to I'm see sorry, more, thinking of Captain. Sorry. We get to see more of... Monica Rambeau, and we get to see more of Full Captain time. Marvel, which is going to be great. Yeah. And it's like this, I'm like, literally the only thing I'm on board for in this show is the aesthetic and the dynamic between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. Otherwise, I'm just like, eh, eh. I want to see more references to the classic stuff. I like seeing references. Like, that's why, I like, season one was great when you saw, like, you know, the classic comic Loki, when you saw kid Loki, when oh, yeah, you saw yeah. Crokey. I loved seeing that. Oh, or that alligator good. Loki, whatever. I like Crokey. I like that's a good uh, variant. Duh! Sorry. Well, not. All right, so we're halfway through. We are halfway through the series. I was going to say that this slog effect isn't too much regarding character development. We're not really finding out maybe... Hints, maybe breadcrumbs of personality traits that we didn't know before. Maybe, and again, we're getting these couple of characters, like you mentioned, the Eternal, and also Balder the Brave. So, yeah. It's very much a show where, you know, they're they're clinging to the idea, like, you really have to, like, play and pause, play and pause, play and pause. Yeah, and, and I, I didn't play and pause when I saw the three wood carvings. I saw Odin, and yes, okay, that's Balder. I didn't see the writing of the name, and I don't know who the third character was it's hulk hogan hulk hogan was the third man brother but okay i think it's, it's kind of funny because also you do realize is there's an article over on uh what's it called again on screen rant they go loki just confirmed ultron's mcu replacement in the weirdest way <laughs> and apparently it's ms marvel which sure <laughs> i guess i don't know yeah are you thinking girl power with regards to the marvels perhaps in a way Maybe. Probably not. We're not a team. Okay. That's what she says. That is Captain. So, yeah, who knows? We'll find out November 10th. We sure will. On the next episode, next week, it'll be Loki, Season 2, Episode 4 out of 6. All right, so that's going to wrap this episode up. Yeah, this episode was very bleh, bleh, bleh. Could have been better, but who knows what's next. I don't, because I haven't seen the episode yet. Yeah, well, hopefully not necessarily more of the same, but something a little different. Don't worry, probably won't be. Keep us watching, please. So that's going to wrap this episode up for this week. We will see you all there at the Orange County Fair. Well, not here, no. For The Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Flame off or Excelsior. I choose Excelsior. Enough said, true believer.